last week on Lore Seekers. I still cannot believe that as fresh as Somerset is, we are already diving into brand new content. Yeah. No games are doing that. It's nuts. These are very much the golden years of ESO right now. And there's just more content coming. I could not ever find the story in Black Desert Online. Oh, did I say that out loud? (laughs) Damn it, I said it out loud. How are they brought together and why are they all vying for control in Cyrodiil? But what what is so, that? I know it's that last episode. What? Is there is there multiple eyes that you're pronouncing there? Yes, there's two eyes in Cyrodiil. That's why I say Cyrodiil. Alright, well I didn't know if you were stroking out last episode and I just didn't say anything, so I'm just gonna confirm. Oh, the last thing I want to do is confuse you with a word. You, traveler, what do you know of this land? Do you wish to learn of its law? Come, <laughs> rest your weary feet and warm yourself by the fire. Let's share some mead, listen to tales of misadventure, and learn of Tamriel's rich history with the law seekers. <laughs> ah, here they are now, jibs and cash. No, it's not bad. You know, the skin's good. Nice and tough. You can make some boots. Oh, hey! Look who's here! Welcome back, friend. Have your seat. Cash will hook you up with some... Rot meth? <laughs> no. No rot meth. No? We went over that last week. We are not doing the rot meth. It is terrible no matter what I do. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, fan-freaking-tastic. Uh, what's been going on? What have you been up to? Hmm... I may or may not have disparaged your words from last week. Remember how we had that conversation about how I was super excited about a new class I was going to roll? Yeah. And I was going to go Nordy Nord and you talked me into don't be the min-maxer guy, yeah. Dragon Knight. Remember yeah. that whole thing? Yeah. And you're like, well, I'm going to go make me a Nordy Nord. Hmm. Because I'm going to yeah. take your advice. You know, you say some really smart things sometimes. I think you're the best one here. Wow. Yeah. So I totally pooped <laughs> on that whole thing. <laughs> of course you did. What did you roll? I went... You're going to laugh. Red Guard Warden. Red Guard Warden. Yes, he's my third warden. Shut up. <sighs> Red... Right. Guard Warden. Well, did, did did you... I know you were struggling trying to find the good look. Did you find a good look? I did. He looks really freaking awesome. And so I went Stam Warden. Yeah. Um, I... Yes, I already have a Stam Warden. I have a double Bobo a build Bobo. On, on a Khajiit. I wanted to try out the Red Guard on this one just because of all the good stuff I've heard about it. But at the same time... The same time I pooped on your parade last week, you <laughs> inspired me. Oh, I'm just gonna oh, throw that at you. Okay, so your your this is your makeup for you know not rolling the Nord. Go on. No, I didn't feel any need to make up at all. I'm just <laughs> I'm being true dat with you right now. Oh, okay, you inspired me last oh, week. Okay, all right. So you also talked about. Taking a character through the world, as we all should be doing. Mm. 
mm-hmm. watching, learning, soaking in the lore, soaking in this beautiful creation that Zoss has put together for us, right? Right. And at the same time, you talked about journaling your experience. Yeah. All right. So I rolled my Stam Warden. Mm-hmm. His name is Wolven the Lore Seeker. Ooh. And yes, and he started his journey on Stros Mackay, and I have journaled every little bit of what I've been doing with my own twists, trying to intertwine the lore of the area, his personal story, what he wants to do, his struggle to realize that the life of a warden is for him, how he comes to pass. So he is now level 12, 13, taking it very slowly. And I am having so much fun journaling Wolf in the Lore Seeker. So thank you very much. That's awesome. You're welcome. Yeah. I'm glad that, uh, you know, you're not the first person to say that. Uh, I had, uh, what was it on? It was a Twitter or Discord this past week. You know, it's just people joining. It's, it feels like one right after the other. And uh, one of them responded, uh, you know, they're doing the same thing. They're totally, they've taken a character through. They're taking one through. And uh, so it's cool, man. I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying it. That's fun. Yeah, I really am. Um, I had a little bit of a little more time this week, which I've been pretty happy about. And I was able to get in and finish Moon Hunter Keep mm-hmm. um, with some guildies with Lore Seekers. And I had a really good time in there. I've also figured something out. I think last time I talked about um, the female werewolf boss. She's boss number four. Mylene? Uh, yes. The white yes. wolf. Yes. So she was very difficult right off the bat when we did not understand the mechanics. Right. So I said something about you cannot damage her after 42%. That is because I'm full Bosmer and didn't read the, what I was supposed to read. So I researched it after that. Turns out what happens in that particular box. She's got a few different mechanics, which are really cool. Um, like one where she has to be interrupted because she'll jump on one of your teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, and if she finishes with her pounce and tearing them apart, then it's like one shot, you're dead. So you got to get in there and interrupt them. Then um, there's all these shock wardens that come down and the shock wardens that come down will um, basically shock her and it pisses her off. So she gets like this enraged thing that you have to literally kill the shock wardens And then when they die, they leave like a small AOE on the ground and the tank has to drag her through that shock AOE to get rid of her debuff. Mm -hmm. That's why you could not, I couldn't damage her after 42% because she had that debuff. Couldn't friggin' figure out how to make that go away. Now I know how to make it go away. So we were able to successfully beat that boss and get through. And then... Actually, there's two more bosses after that. The boss after that has some of the most insane mechanics the, uh, that I've seen on any boss. That wizard with the runes? You are correct. Yeah, that's pretty gnarly, yes. right? It's like musical chairs. It, it's yeah. really cool. It's a, it's very intimidating. 
right up front. But I think what ended up happening is we just flat out overpowered him with some mad DPS. So he only got like through barely through one of those rotations mm-hmm. um, before he went down. And then the last boss wasn't too hard. So once you kind of understand the mechanics, it's just like any dungeon. They're they're super fun. Yeah. But this week, this week right now that we speaketh of, I, uh, along with you, if we can hook up in game, are going to try and do the second Wolf Hunter DLC dungeon. Yeah, buddy. Just called... March of Sacrifices. March of Sacrifices. Because there's a freaking insane memento I want in there. It is insane. Have you seen it? No. Oh, my God. Bro, it transforms you into a massive werewolf. It's like you're breaking through your clothes and you literally turn into a massive werewolf. And there's a way to get that um, within that dungeon. I remember talking about it on the show. That was one of the things you could unlock, but I never actually got to see what it did. I I never saw even an example of it. So that's really cool. I really... Yeah. Yeah. I won't buy it. Love it. How have you been this week? Oh, man. I've been fantastic. I have been fantastic. It's been a interesting week. Uh, <laughs> I started in East March and uh, and I uh, started working through that. Uh, just taking my time with Jibs Alora Seeker, like I said last week. Just going through the zone, and I am loving. Gosh, I love that zone so much. I, I'm finding that, you know, like. In real life, not everything is always, you know, roses and, and, you know, awesomeness. And a lot of times when I jump into this game, the environments alone, just the environment alone, is enough to just totally just take your mind off whatever is happening in real life. Like, I love going to... I, I'm personally, in real life, I love the fall. I love winter. I, I love just... You know, it's so much easier to put clothes on when it's cold. You know, you can't tell you, <laughs> you like to take so many clothes off in the summer, right? For it's illegal. Ditto. Oh, I'm so with you. On so that. I, I am so for winter and snow and I love it. And so when I'm in East March, it just brings up all those vibes because not to get out of lore, but you know, during the fall that I just, I also love, that's usually when I really play Fallout 4 because I love just all of that combined. And so I'm in East March, this, the snow is awesome. And then, like I had to, I had to go somewhere. I was researching some stuff for the show, which we're gonna reveal in just a hot second. But uh, and so I was in Malabtor, and uh, man, just the rain. I'm a sucker for thunderstorms and rain, and I just it's just like pure tranquility for me when I when I can get in these environments. The environment team, like I I, I dude, I crank ambient volume. It's always at 100. percent Everything else is at half. Ambience is all the way up. It's it's amazing. It's amazing, especially when it's raining in Malabator. Yeah, what I say? It's... Oh, nothing. Oh, okay. All right, cool. And so, send uh... your hate mail to loreseekerspodcast <laughs> at gmail and, uh, dot com. So yeah, I I love it, man. It's you know it, you turn ambience all the way up, and you will hear things you never knew were in the game. They put so many incredible layers in this game and one of those is like you'll you'll just sit there at the way shrine in east march at windhelm and you'll hear a nord go it's not a rumor <laughs> oh yeah i love no, it there's some funny stuff it's you know i love i love that you love the winter mm-hmm. 
Just because, bro, you're my soul, brother, bro. Mm. Because I feel the same exact way. I am so over the heat and mm. about ready to punch summer right in the twig and berries. I am over it. <laughs> you better cool no down. No more. <laughs> Dude, it sucks. Oh, I it hate suck. getting up in the morning mm-hmm. and and just... Dude, I'm not a sweaty dude. I'm not at all. Mm-hmm. But getting up in the morning and there's a fine layer of get the F off me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. God, I hate it. Yeah. Well, so, at least your heat's um, dry. You know, I'm in Indiana where it's. It hasn't been, though. It, it has been it's a miserable, wet isn't it? heat this year for California. I mean, I'm not saying this that, that it's a yeah. Midwest heat here. Yeah. But, bro, it's it miserable. has been way more freaking miserable humid than it normally yeah. is. It's awful. It's like yeah. you could just cut the air in half with a knife because it's so incredibly humid and gross. It's horrible. Right. Now, it's it's way worse where you are. I mean, I remember being down there remember we on went my to last Louisiana? visit with you. Yes. So I had a visit with um, with one of our good gaming buddies down there, uh, and Jibs was there. We got to hang out. It was super fun uh, a few months back. And I remember driving in the car, and I rolled down the window – because I literally wanted to feel the air slapping my freaking hand. And it what it did. Yeah. You could feel the moisture on your hands. And I, I'm, I'm from California, so I like don't experience that. Right. And I took me all of about like four seconds to go, I hate this. <laughs> I rolled up the window and cranked on the air Man, conditioning. We were outside. Such a weather wussy. Oh, my gosh. Remember, we were outside hanging out, enjoying some cigars. And it yep. was just so incredibly humid. I remember you going, man, this is just a beautiful night. And I'm sitting there like dying because I'm so. It used. was a beautiful night. Though. It, it was awesome. You know, we were hanging out just chilling with some buds and uh, with some friends. And so we were. Got with some buds. I was like, I, I wanted to respond. I'm like, wait, no, I, I wasn't drinking Budweiser. <laughs> no, I wasn't thinking of that, dude. <laughs> I wanted to be clear. I was thinking of Mary J. Wana. I live in California. <laughs> We're just sitting out oh, in the crap. That's hilarious. We're just sitting outside having some buds. I'm like, we weren't. I swear to God, we weren't. <laughs> no, we were just hanging out. And um, gosh, it, you know, I'm over there like dying because I hate the humidity so much. I hate it so so much. And if there is there. anything though, that humidity is great for cigars. Oh my gosh, right? Because I constantly fight the humidity in my humidor here in California because it's so damn dry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here you can literally just have a cigar outside and it'll be fine. <laughs> anyway, okay. we have a show. We got to do our show. Yeah, I was like, what are we doing? Is this a cast pod or one of those things? Yeah, it's a it's a pod. It's a pilly pod. Uh, so, everybody, welcome. This is episode six of the Lore Seekers podcast. We are your hosts. I am Jibs. Wait, I said episode six. This is volume two, episode six. I'm Jibs. I know. It sounded like a, by a bunch of news. I know. Did we just come out? And uh, joined by my good buddy from SoCal, Cash. Nice to be here, you guys. Uh, really, really excited. I totally just did the YouTube thing. Hi, you guys. Subscribe and like. Hi, you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a thing on YouTube. We're excited but today. We're very excited. We have uh, we got a really cool show. We're doing some different stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Jibs is going to announce something pretty cool here that I think we're going to start doing. And um, yeah, I hope you understand that once again, I have another renewed love for Elder Scrolls Online because I'm really excited about journaling my new character. <laughs> so there's that going on. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm working. I, you are leaps and bounds ahead of me with with your journal. I'm still working on mine. I'm trying to model mine after the. Remember the uh, the Tales of Tamriel books? So it's kind of like that whole style. Oh and vibe. yeah, love those. Speaking of Tales of Tamriel, can I tell a quick story? Mm, yeah, go ahead. So, I was catching up on the Tales of Tamriel podcast this week. Oh, where are you? We have. Yes, good friends over there, Agelos and Arcaneer. Those guys are super awesome. They have a great guild. Just good show. Really fun. Go listen. Anyway, um, apparently Arcaneer was, he's there, he's uh, Agelos' co-host, was in a guild group during uh, Lotus of Doom. He's one of our, our members at Lore Seekers mm-hmm. during Lotus of Doom's charity stream that we that we pushed uh, a few weeks back, right? So, Ark was in a group. I guess there was a bunch of Lore Seekers in that group from the Lore Seekers Guild, mm-hmm. and they all had they were all riding Gwar. And Arkanir cannot stand Gwar. <laughs> so, not the band. I'm talking about the short little squatty lizards that we love to ride because they're it's dude. It's literally the donkey of the Elder Scrolls online. Yeah, pretty much. They're amazing workhorses. They're, they're better than goats. Yeah. Did you hear that? I e- said they're better. Everything's than goats. Everything's better than goats. Lore seeker community. So, as I duck from ooh. all the incoming uppercuts. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Somebody's going to nut shot me. <laughs> Very quickly. So anyway, um, I thought that was kind of funny uh, that. Um, Tales of Tamriel had mentioned <laughs> mentioned that whole thing uh, on their cast, so I wanted to give those guys a shout out. And uh, we had a little Twitter thing going back and forth, Arkaneer and I. And um, hats off to you guys. Thank you. That was pretty funny. And um, we will try. Oh, yeah. So anyway, the whole point of that, we are now hashtag the cult of Guar. Cult of Guar. The cult of Guar. Lord Seekers. We should make that so, a T-shirt. Cult of Guar. <laughs> if it should be. Oh, anyway. man. That's funny. Well, that's fun. Yeah. Good, good, good. Uh, well, we like Cash said, we do have a large episode. Um, large in the sense of something new coming to the show today. We're pretty proud of it. We've been working on this. And uh, so, before we get to that reveal, uh, last week, if you missed episode five, well, you should totally go check it out because we talked about everything from the QuakeCon keynote, Midyear Mayhem stats. Um. Wait, is that old? Did we do that? Did I mess up? I feel like I messed no. up. No, that's we did a, all that last week. We did that last week. Man, time is just flying. Feels like that was two weeks ago. All right. So anyway, yeah, mid-year mayhem stats, Wolf Hunter first impressions, and, and the uh, storyline of ESO. Man, that feels wow. so long ago. It feels dude. So, what? It feels Maybe it's because so you had a mini stroke sometime during the week. I well, it's just you know, there's been so much going on with the with the the whole taking character through East March and then doing this whole this whole bit. All so, right, take a couple aspirin. Let's thin your blood and continue. Thin my blood. <laughs> All right. Well, this week on the show, we're talking. Uh, we did. We're, you know, I thought we would do. I thought about doing the ESO live for the show, and normally we do. We really do. Uh, but most of it was taking you guys through March of Sacrifices. And we're going to hold off on talking about that dungeon. Because I don't believe either Cash or myself got to run it yet. Nope. This so, week. Yeah. We're doing it this week. Yeah, we're doing it this week. So we'll probably talk about that next episode. But one thing we are going to be discussing is patch notes and ESO. Cash got us a 
wonderful lore lesson on the uh, Fighters Guild, which is fun, finally. Fighters Guild. Yes. Yes. And it gives me no greater pleasure. You guys, this is straight from the inspiration of the Lore Seeker community. You guys are fantastic. I will brag on you to the highest degree anytime that I can. Your guys' feedback, your guys' support, your guys' excitement to be a part of the growing community that we have. We're so happy to have every single one of you. And we put it out to them. We said, you know what? I want to hear your input. I want to hear listener input. So we put it out to them. What do you want to see in the future of Lore Seekers? And there was one comment. There was one post that stood out. There's a lot of them. They're all great. But this one just made so much sense for this show. And it was something we had thought about a long time ago. But we, we, to be honest with you, I forgot all about it. And we just never did anything on it. But someone mentioned going through dungeons on the show. So, we made that in a full fleshed out segment. So, we are proud today. Cash does the lore lessons. Old Jibs is going to be heading up (laughs) what we call the Dungeons for Dummies segment. (laughs) Yep. And we are not referring to any of you. We are referring to us. Yeah, 100%. So, we're going to be going over... All the dungeons in ESO. Not all today. Just, we're doing one today. Okay, so... Oh, my God. That, that would be... That'd be like eight hours. <laughs> that'd be almost... That'd almost be like the lore lesson compilation. Yeah. Do I have the attention span of like a four-year-old, so <laughs> that would never work. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we're going to go over everything with with this segment. The whole point is to get you prepared for dungeons. So, we're, you're stepping into a dungeon... And today, we're actually going to be talking about Spindle Clutch later in the show. So what we're going to do is tell you a summary of the dungeon, what it's all about. We're also going to be going over the loot tables, what kind of loot you can get in there, how many bosses there are, mechanics for difficult boss fights, all that good stuff. So you can look forward to that. We are we were going to do the lore, the dungeon lore, but we didn't get to it. So that being said, one thing we are going to do... Cash, can I... Can I go ahead with this too, or do, do you want to? Sure. Okay. No stress. No stress. All right. So, whew, with this a new segment, what we're also doing is we're taking the lore side of this to our YouTube channel. So, what we're doing is this: we will put this out to the lore seeker community. Where hey, we need we're doing a Dungeons for Dummies group. And what that means is two. Was it two or three other lucky companions? Whoever wants to voice get in the group. Well, gonna... you and me make two. Oh yeah, you can. Have so we'll you. need two more. That's right. Well, you know, sometimes I forget. I'm so used to anyway. So yeah, <laughs> sometimes you forget simple yeah, math. Yeah, sometimes. I love you, buddy. You make me chuckles. Indiana. All right. Um, so yeah, what we're doing is we're gonna have a basically a video on YouTube where it is Cash and I playing the game, where we are playing the dungeon, and we go through it from top to bottom. We're going to do the quest there. We will not rush through the quest. You'll get to see the quest line. So many of you always uh, seem to bring up the fact that you wish that you could learn the lore of the dungeons, and so we want to bring that to you, and we're going to do that through YouTube content. So over at the Lore Seekers official YouTube page, we will begin. This is something that's going to take months to build up a good library for. Simply being, these Dungeons for Dummies segments 
are huge, and there's a lot that goes into them. So we're not going to do one every week, but you rest Oh, dear assured. God, thank you. <laughs> you can rest assured this is official, a new segment to the show. We hope you're excited. That being said, whew. Well, there's one more thing, though. What do I miss? One more thing is that we are we're, we're going to try and cover the mechanics of every boss with a focus on vet if we can, but we're not going to cover, we're not going to do like one episode we're doing spindle clutch one, the next episode we're doing spindle clutch one on vet. So we're going to kind of pick and choose the ones that we do on vet because otherwise you can imagine the undertaking it would be. It's their own boss. If yeah. we, yeah, if we were making, you know, videos and segments for every single one, normal and vet and hard mode, you know what I mean? So that would be a little bit difficult. So kind of bear with us. If you have something that we missed that you really wanted to see, you can always request it through us, and then we can, um, we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. We do value feedback, and we always, uh, I mean, shoot, people reach out, hey, you should do this, hey, you should do that. It goes on the wall crazy. And so we'll put it there, and we will uh, address it at the time being. Uh, okay. But uh, anyway, so Dungeons for Dummies, first one coming up later in the show. But... Uh, we got some patch notes. I, I think it's time. Are you ready? For patch notes? Oh, for Christ's sake, let's get this over with. <laughs> All right. Well, here. Uh, it's kind of a list. Not too much. i got to go through my bag. Mm. Okay. So, uh, ESO Live, like I said earlier, about a quarter of it was patch note review, and I didn't put everything here because, let's be honest, it makes you want to fall asleep listening to patch notes, right? It does me. So we're not doing that. What we're doing is <laughs> what <laughs> we're highlighting the big stuff, the stuff that either we've already talked about in the show being an issue or it's just something that you need to know. So patch notes for version 4 1.6. Now, this was like a 90 megabyte patch. There's literally about five or six points we're just talking here. You can actually... Go over to the official forums through our site at lorasecretspodcast.com on the episode page, and everything will be right there for you. But that being said, so patch notes. Uh, first thing up, missing keep walls and objects and trials. If you have noticed some of that stuff's been missing, well, you were right to see that or think that because it was. It's officially been uh, fixed, so... No more disappearing Yay! walls. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Asylum Sanctorium was, uh, for the longest time, disabled. Turns out there was an exploit going on, and so they had it um, they had it turned off. Well, guess what? It's back. Asylum Sanctorium has been re-enabled. Perfect. Let's go solo it. All right. No problem, Bob. There will be no deaths, and we'll do a speed run. Just two of us. <laughs> Both of our hopes and dreams are crushed on the first poll. <laughs> Um, temporarily reduce the respect cost to one gold. So this is a big one. This is one of the big things that come out of this. For those of you who have been considering, you know, fiddling around with the new respect 2.0 system, now is the time. If you go to, I believe it's the Shrine of Stendar. I know there's one off the top of my head. I know there's one in Stormhaven. Shrine of Mara? No, Stendar. That's not the one? No. That's not the oh, one. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's the, that's the one that you wouldn't accept my vow at. You know, when I think of spending crowns, I don't think of spending a 1000 on a Ring of Mara. I'm just saying. I think of 
I think of maybe one day I'll have the vendor <laughs> vendor system. Oh, I'll podcast with you once a week, but I won't <laughs> play with you. So, yeah. Um, if you go to currently, what is it? The Temple of the Divines in Stormhaven. And I know there's other places, but this is one I remember, so I'm telling you this one. Temple of Divines in Stormhaven. Up at the altar, if you go all the way to the left, there's three little shrines there. Um, Mara, Stendar, and the other one escapes me. Forgive me. But okay. Shrine of, shrine of Arcade? Is that it? Shrine of Arcade? I don't know. Hmm. I'm just going to start naming off the vines and see which one I get. <laughs> see which one sticks. <laughs> yep. But uh, Shrine of Stendar is there. Click on it, and you can totally change your morphs around. Um, and I believe your respects as well. Now, the num- the gold numbers are going to be like astronomical. Like crazy. That is a UI glitch. It literally only costs one gold. I don't know if it's per skill or just overall, but I know this. The massive gold cost that you see is not accurate. So just go ahead. Yes. And go ahead and buy it. Correct. And, um, oh, actually, here. Yeah, I'm sorry. There's a note. The respect cost will appear to multiply for every skill point instead of being one gold. This is strictly a visual issue. And you can rest assured the cost is indeed just one gold. So I actually got to be a helpful Henry the other day because I knew this from watching ESO Live. Mm-hmm. And um, there was somebody that was talking about it in uh, Guild Chat. Oh, nice. And I got to come in and say, um, oh, no, don't worry about that. It only costs one gold. Oh, you got this to is a visual in. issue as of right now. And we're working on a fix. Hmm. This is your friendly neighborhood dev, Bald not man. a dev person. Hmm. I'm just a dum-dum that reads the notes. Hmm. Okay. Well, you said it, not me. Yep. Uh, last week on the show, we talked about some bugs we're seeing with um, Mysterious Outpost. One of those being was <laughs> you could actually have vanity pets. And by the way, the Outpost is the new Battleground, for those of you who didn't know. Uh, came with update 19. Last week, at that time, you could have Vanity Pets, Assistance, and Mementos operating in the BG. Well, they, they got those removed. So, if you were running yeah. around in a fight and uh, you happen to see... Uh, what's the vendor's name? I, I love her. Nizzy? Pieces. Yes. Nizzy. Yeah. If, if you saw a bunch of uh, Nizzy running around, well, that's been... That's been you know the only problem I have with Nizzy? Hmm. Is and my dang banker hmm. and my pets for all that matters. Okay. okay, they don't do jack crap when I'm getting my butt kicked. <laughs> I could be half dead and they would just sit there, and my little cute cutie little cat would just sit there rolling on her back or playing with a butterfly. It's like get hmm. in here and freaking swipe well, something. You, it tells me you're not paying them enough. Hiss at him. Do something. I'm gonna die, and then you don't get fed. What happens then? Mm. Well, well, that's called animal cruelty. I'm going to have to take your uh, non-vanity animal pets, cruelty. please. Animal cruelty, yeah. <laughs> Can't feed them when I'm dead. Give me a bunch of dead little pets hanging around. Oh, man. So, yeah, that's been addressed in the battleground. Now, possibly, if you are a PvP-er, um, then you will notice whenever you play and someone uses this skill from the Sork Rune Prison... That you feel like you are locked down for an eternity. Like you can't get out of it. Because guess what? 
you can't even block the skill. So, thankfully, thankfully, because this was this was rough. You're in a battleground and you're playing, especially if it's deathmatch, and there's a bunch of poop on the ground. There is red all over the place, and you get locked down in room prison. It was horrible because <laughs> three and a half seconds you sat there. Well. Good news, and I can tell you today, this is much better. I played today in a battleground, got hit with room prison. Not that big of an issue anymore. It's been reduced to two seconds. So, thank you. Yeah, that's the best skill to Stand lock dark. somebody down when they're running a relic. Mm. Oh, mm. They get on their run, and they're just like, they're spamming their stamina key, and their little sprint key, and then all of a sudden, blammo, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So. Of course, I was on the receiving end of that most of the time, but. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's not really a whole lot of news today. Uh, believe it or not, this is this is it for news. This is our this was news. This is so we uh, get right into Dungeons for Dummies. I guess so. I guess Yay! it's that time. All right. So, Cash and Our Adventures. If you've been listening to anything at the end of the episodes, then you'll know we are traveling across Tamriel. Now that being said, yeah, oh. we're in Mall Ball Tour. Malabaltor. Hmm. I feel like that's directed <laughs> towards me. Just going to throw that out there. <laughs> You're a douche. So, <laughs> Cash and I and our adventures, we've been in all kinds of alien ruins. And that being said, we picked up a little something. Cash, you want me to uh, show them what we picked up here? Yep. Right. It's glowy. Yeah, it is glowy. Hang on. Let me get, let me get out of the bag here. Nope, that's not. No, that's a potion for later. That is a brew. There it is. So, this, my friends, is what we call a Welkin Stone. Now, obviously, you're listening, so you can't see this. What this thing is, it's bluish white, glowing, magical stone that says metal inlay at their base. This was created by the ancient aliens. And these items can actually recharge Magicka and have been known to store and release memories to a user of the stone. So, in our case, this is how we are learning all our wonderful things about the dungeons. All stored right here in this little stone that we can carry with us. That we stole. That we stole. <laughs> I don't, I, do I have to activate this? Or do I just... I don't know what to do with this. Do I look at it? Do I give it a look? Um... Well, you just have to hold it very gingerly from one side and then vigorously rub with the opposite hand. Okay. All right. The stone. Dude, the stone. Oh. What are you doing? Okay. I'm just going to... I don't I don't know what to do with this, so I'm just going to sit it here. But regardless, through this stone... <laughs> you know what? I'm, put it, I don't, I'm just going to... Yeah. Uh, through this stone, we've picked up all kinds of awesome, fun dungeon little goodies for you and today on the very first edition of dungeons for dummies the series for full bosmer players like us <laughs> is that the punchline is that what we're using that actually is that's very accurate <laughs> it's very accurate uh today on the show so yeah what i talked about a little bit earlier we are talking spindle clutch now spindle clutch is a dungeon where you're gonna unlock this dungeon very early on in your in your playtime of ESO. This unlocks at level 10 and you can actually go there yourself without queuing up in the dungeon finder. It's in northern Glen Umbra. And solo it. And so no you cannot. 
<laughs> yes, you absolutely can. At level 10? <laughs> oh, not at level 10. Okay. So, yeah, it's in the region of Daggerfall Covenant, northern Glenumbra. You know, when I think of Glenumbra, I know that because of the longest time, one of our old guilds was Daggerfall. So I always think of Glenumbra as home in a way. Like, I, I never really felt connected there, but I was there, you know, because that's what the guild chose. I'm like, all right, so that's the faction. It feels so much like home in a lot of ways, going to Glenumbra. And then you go to, like, Aradon or Somerset with, you know, being a Dominion now. But um, So, yeah, it's in northern Glenumbra. Uh, this has, if you didn't know, normal and veteran modes. Today we're going over the normal version of the dungeon. If you are an achievement hunter, if you are a completionist, like old Baldy over there on the other end, well... There's seven <laughs> achievements available. I'm surprised you let me get by That's with that. That's hurtful AF, There it is. Bro. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm surprised you let me get by with that. There's seven <laughs> achievements that you can get. As far as the boss count's concerned, there is a total of five bosses in this dungeon. Three mini-bosses. And what they're calling two normal, two normal bosses. And uh, before we get into the mechanics of this... We're going to give you a little bit of a prelude to what we're going to be doing on YouTube. So when any, anytime you load into this dungeon, there's always those handy-dandy little load-in screens. And if you're not reading those, I encourage you to read those, particularly when you're loading into dungeons. Because a lot of times you'll get the whole premise of what this dungeon is about. So this dungeon story summary, or I guess introduction, is this. The alien ruins... Of Dwinarth that grinned down from the bluffs above Hagfin were plundered and emptied out generations ago. But it seems there are forgotten mine tunnels beneath the lowest levels of Dwinarth that might not be quite so empty. Spiders! Spiders, yes. There Burn it all down! are all kinds of spiders in this one. There are all kinds of, uh, what is it? Uh, corrupted, I believe is the right word. Corrupted uh, NPCs, basically people you'll be fighting. So, yes, this was, I remember, the very first dungeon I ever ran. And the moment you walk in, after you clear the first set of ads, and for those of you who don't know, or mobs, for those of you who don't know what that means, uh, basically, non-playable characters that you kill when you're in a dungeon. <laughs> so you, for as soon as you walk in, you hear the Whisperer is her name. She's the main boss over this whole thing. And you just kind of get that feel of like, oh, this feels gross. There's spiders everywhere. There's webs everywhere. And then you hear that chick with the, what'd she say? You did it so well on the phone the other day. Oh, no. That was the one from White Gold Tower. No, it was The eldest scroll oh, is yeah. mine. <laughs> that's Clivia Thorn. Yeah. So and one person recognized that from this week. At least one person let me know about it. But Blood Eye totally recognized that. She said she was lolling in the car on the way to work. <laughs> because of my terrible impersonation of Glivia oh, Tharn. That's so funny. So, yeah, there's three normal... Uh, there's three mini-bosses on the normal version of Spindle Clutch 1. I, I should have said that earlier. We're doing Spindle Clutch 1 on normal today. Okay. Uh, so... Many bosses. We've got the Spindlekin, which is a giant spider. Yay! Uh, Cerise the Widowmaker. It's a Breton rogue. And then... Goes down like a sack of potatoes. Mm-hmm. Then is this Big Rabu? 
He goes down like a sack of potatoes, too. He's a total wuss. <laughs> Corrupted knight in heavy armor. Now, the normal bosses, these are the ones where we're really going to start talking about the mechanics. Because these are kind of the, uh, the more difficult fights when it comes to dungeon running. There's two of them. The first one being kind of at the halfway point. Of this dungeon, or actually, you may—you know what? No, you may face her early on. I forget—I forget if she's the one right around the corner. Uh, as soon as you go in, but Swarm Mother—that is a spider queen that is responsible for the spider infestation. So, Swarm Mother, as far as mechanics are concerned, when you're going in this dungeon and you've got two DPS, one healer, and one tank. All right. Now, the main role with the tank. Whenever you're going into this fight, she has a power attack. And if she hits you with that power attack, as the tank, you are going to take some <laughs> insane damage. And you will be knocked back. Which is no good, especially if you're trying to hold aggro. So, be prepared to block that. Tanks, when you are fighting the Swarm Mother, be prepared to block at all times. And you also have to make sure and maintain aggro because if she hits a power attack on a DPS especially one that's not really well geared you know they're just getting into dungeons the first time they still may be rocking their level 5 crafted gear whatever it is you know if you do not maintain that aggro and they get hit by a power attack it's most likely a one shot they're going to die yep. immediately someone's resin yeah mhm or not yeah so as far as the tanks are concerned with this fight, that's the main thing focus you focus on. Be ready to block and hold that aggro. That's your job on this one. DPS, there's going to be all kinds of adds that spawn. And when I say adds, for those of you new to dungeons, basically that is going to be enemies that will spawn in the fight when you're fighting a boss. Okay, That will spawn on top of the boss fight already. So when we've got these adds that are coming in, they're coming in from all sides, and I believe they're just spiders if i remember correctly they're just small spiders and so with the dps you're going to have all kinds of ads that are spawning okay and the the hard part about this is that they will target random players so it's important that you kill them quickly because when they're targeting your healer and he and it's very easy for a healer to get surrounded especially when these ads are spawning and they're targeting random people. It's so easy, especially... I've played the healer, and I can tell you, it just feels like it's out of nowhere that, you know, all these <laughs> all these ads will just start attacking you. And so, kill the ads ASAP. As soon as they spawn in, your focus goes from the boss to the ads immediately. Burn them down. Yes. Get them out of the way. Unless you're the tank, because the way it kind of works is the tank typically grabs the boss and holds aggro on the boss. Now, there's some bosses out there where the mechanics are a little bit different, but for the most part, if you're the tank, your responsibility in a boss fight is the boss. The adds are typically handled by the two DPS positions, and then the healer is keeping tabs on the tank first them second or vice versa however however you wish to play your healer and then the dps last so if you're a dps and you're not necessarily getting heals as fast as you like just take a second to understand that you are not the highest priority because if the tank dies and the healer dies it's a wipe every yeah. time yeah 
And if you are deep, and just a quick side note for Dungeon Etiquette, I know we talked about this a long time ago in Volume 1, but I will bring this up again. If you're a DPS and you are pulling instead of the tank, and you're getting upset at your healer because he's not healing you, guess what? You're not the priority. If I'm the healer and you go and pull a dungeon, I don't care who it is, and you're almost dead, I'm uh, my focus is the tank. And I will not heal you to prove a point. Let the tank pull. He has the most health. He is the one that pulls with the taunts, holding the aggro. I need to make sure and keep him up. Because what's going to happen is it's going to allow you to do a more free DPS. It's going to free you up to do more because you're not almost dead and running for your life, which tends to happen with DPS. Whenever, and I, from, from a DPS standpoint as well, if, you know, it, it's easy to kind of start to freak out. When your health is low and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm about to die, I'm about to die, your first instinct shouldn't be go and chat and scream at your healer. Your, your first instinct needs to be, okay, what am I doing wrong? If you're pulling, don't be pulling. Let your tank do it. Okay? Let your tank do it. Promise. It'll make your dungeon experience that much better. So, that being said, DPS. Kill all the ads. Burn them down quick. This fight is all about... There's a lot of fights that you see in MMOs where it is... These fights are designed to overwhelm you, okay? So it's important to eliminate those ads because if those pile up, it will overwhelm you, okay? So healers. Now, obviously, we're healing the tank. Obviously, we're making sure everyone health pool, everyone's health pool is good. Cleansing if we need to cleanse, get some of the nasty dots off of them, debuffs off of them, you know, all that, all that junk. All right, well, during this fight, the Swarm Mother has this really unique attack where she will randomly target a party member when using her charge attack and this could be a dps this could be the tank this could be the healer and so as your your job as the healer if the swarm mother focuses let's say a dps she does her charge attack leaps onto him and if that dps is not well geared they could die but that being said during this attack you have to cure the player heal them quickly Cleanse that junk off of them. Heal them quick because that can literally almost kill them. I remember running this dungeon as a healer. And I was running it with my, uh, I believe it was uh, Ikesis the Lore Seeker, my my, uh, my temp um, healer. And when she does that attack on a DPS, it was a normal gear DPS. It knocks them down to roughly about a quarter of their health. Uh, and that's like max. Like <laughs> normal gear DPS, like it's going to be anywhere from zero to like a quarter of health left when she does this. So you got, as a healer, with this boss fight, you've got to make sure as soon as you see her getting ready for that charge attack, throw down some heals. AoE heals, do it all. I mean, just throw it all down. Keep them up. So that is the mechanics for the Swarm Mother. Fun fight, pretty unique, and it's really a good way to when you're looking at getting into dungeons for the first time because you're you're getting a lot there. You're getting the overwhelm mechanic of boss fights. You're getting the whole as far as the tank's concerned. You're really getting introduced to how important it is to a use your shield to block, but also to really hold that aggro because 
what you do there with that boss will literally make or break the fight as the tank. So. Yeah, I think it's important to remember, too, that, um, you know, we're starting from from the first dungeons that were ever put into ESO. So by this time, there's veteran players out there. You're probably you're probably going, oh, my God, this dungeon literally takes us like 10 minutes. Cause yeah, we it really does. It. So <laughs> um, if you're, you know, if you're cp level you know 757 80 800 you're gonna you are gonna blast through this and yeah you could solo this by yourself oh yeah. but because you're just overwhelming the bosses back with your pure amount of dps and your understanding of your character but we're talking more uh you need to pay a lot more attention to the mechanics when you have a lower level character that doesn't say have the gear or you don't have a ringer in your group that's cp a thousand you know right. what I mean? Yeah. So just kind of keep that in mind. And then as we go through some of these, and then um, also understand, too, that the mechanics get harder and are many times very, very different during the vet version of these dungeons. Yeah. Yeah. And I look forward to, to going over that as well. Because anytime you go into a vet dungeon, particularly Spindle Clutch, if you go into Spindle Clutch and you go on vet, those are different. There's different bosses. I guess not the normal bosses. And there's a whole new set of mechanics, especially if you enable hard mode at the end. It's it's legit, and we'll get there. And so yeah, if you are 100% geared, you you you're like us. You've ran this dungeon a million times, and this is nauseating. Just bear with us. You're gonna learn something, I promise. So that being said, the last main boss of this dungeon it's called the Whisperer. It's the one you hear after the first set of mobs. When you enter this dungeon, okay, she's a massive spider. I, I told Cash this the other day. I, I still think she's one of the coolest looking base game bosses in the game. Oh, she's, for sure. And this is one of the coolest looking scenes as you walk up to her lair in the game as well, because she is casting a giant spider shadow behind her. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, take a second to look at it. Before you pull it. the boss, it is just really, really a cool-looking sight when you first see her. Absolutely. I agree. It, she feels so much more menacing just because of the shadow that she casts, dude. She right. looks huge. She looks huge. It's awesome. So, the Whisperer. Now, this fight pretty much combines every other fight in the dungeon into one now a lot of the mini bosses typically those are easy fights typically i mean your, your tank's just holding aggro healers keeping everybody alive dps just smacking the boss till it's dead okay um so with the whisper all fights pretty much rolled into one this fight is actually going to begin with a large amount of spiders spawning and they will be everywhere so it's kind of like her little mini army before she actually comes out for the fight so you got to eliminate all those spiders. And then you're going to see her from the back of this layer just start to walk towards you. Shadows cast everywhere. She looks huge. She's like at least 10 to 15 feet tall. And you're getting ready to start this fight. So she has two um, mechanics that you've really got to look out for with this fight. Number one the Whisperer will draw in players and she'll do this relatively early in the fight. So what's going to happen is she's going to pull you into her, okay? Start to pull you towards her. 
and you have to move outside of this. It's going to be like an AOE attack. So as she pulls you in, uh, a, a circle is expanding from where she's standing, and you got to get out of that. You've got to get out of that. That's going to be some massive, and I wouldn't say massive. It's going to definitely be moderate AOE damage. Okay, so you're going to want to try to get out of that as soon as possible. As soon as you start to see that circle protrude from the whisper, get out of dodge. Do say make sure you've got enough stam saved up. Make sure that that you're able to roll out of it. Get out of that thing. Okay. Next. She has an ability that will incapacitate a random player and it will begin to inflict damage. So it could be the healer. It could be the tank. It could be the DPS. If it's the healer, good gracious. <laughs> may may uh, the divines ever be in your favor. <laughs> just heal through it. Yep, just heal through it. Uh, vice versa. So for, for this fight, pretty much tanks, keep the aggro. Okay. This is kind of like a what we call a tank and spank, wouldn't you say? The DPS, burn the ads, focus the boss. Okay? Healers, your main role... This is very much a tank-slash-healer-driven fight. Tank just holds the aggro. Healer has to be on top of healing when someone is randomly incapacitated. Okay? Um, a good habit, something I like to do. As a healer, you're already kind of standing back anyway. You're not up on the boss fighting, which most of the people are, especially if they're stamina-based, okay? Um, when you are hanging back, you actually can really easily avoid that AoE... Uh, what would you call it? Just AoE uh, that she puts down, okay? And so you can actually... When she starts to do that, if you have an AoE heal, put it down. Like, I, I put it down almost immediately, so that way, I know it's there, and the moment, if anyone's caught in that AoE, they're already going to be getting healed right back up as soon as that AoE, the damage starts to happen from the AoE. So, a good habit is put your heals down early when you see that. Um, doesn't have to be that early like I do, but, you know, it totally is going to help you out. It's It allows you to help get everybody back up, because, yeah, they're going to take some pretty good damage from that. The other one... Whenever you see somebody that has been incapacitated, get a shield on them. Get a shield on them as soon as you can. Um, if you are a Templar, uh, there's some really good heals there. There's some good um, uh, HOTS, health over time, spells that you can do. Good stuff. Um, all kinds of good things that you can... It's really preference how you want to handle that. But get a shield on them. That's totally going to help. Um, because that, that one hurts. That one hurts. And so that's the fight. That's pretty much the fight. I mean, that's it. You can do this. Cash can't, but you can. What? <laughs> right? Am I missing anything? Like the fight? No. Wait. Okay. No, no, no. You covered it very well. Okay. Now, do you want to do the sets? You want to tell them what sets we have? I got a lot of talking coming up, buddy. I'm going to leave this to you. Okay. So, with... Spindle Clutch 1, normal mode. Here's the sets, okay? We've got Prayer Shawl. Now, this is a light armor set. The first, if you get two items, it's going to add up to 1,096 maximum magicka. If you get three items, it's going to add up to 129 spell damage. Four items, up to 129 magicka recovery. 
And then if you choose to go full Bosmer and get all five items, well, when you heal a random friendly target, or I'm sorry, when you heal a friendly target, you have a 6% chance to grant them a damage shield that absorbs up to 2,425 damage for six seconds. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's a decent starting it's a healer start. set. That's a good start. Yeah. 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 Definitely a good starter set. If you're a healer, run a lot of Spindle Clutch. You'll get really comfortable with it because really it's not that difficult of a fight. At first, it's intimidating, especially if you don't know what you're doing. But you'll, you'll totally get this dungeon down. You can do this. Um, the medium armor set is the Spelunker set. Now. What'd you call me? You heard me. If you had, <laughs> if you had two items. Then you'll gain up to 1,096 maximum magicka. Three items, 129 stamina recovery. Four items, 129 weapon damage. Five items adds up to 400 weapon and spell damage to your undaunted abilities. When an ally uses one of your undaunted ability synergies, you restore up to 1,500 stamina. You know, you, you really don't see that used very much. No, because nobody really uses Undaunted Abilities. Yeah, it's it's more... This is a pretty dated set. Yeah. I love the name of it, though. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. This is like, uh... I feel like I'm going through, like, the history books of ESO right now, reading this set. <laughs> um, so, let's see. What we got here? Nightmare. This is the heavy armor set. Two items. It's going to give you up to 2,000... 975 physical resistance. Three items is going to give you up to 1,206 maximum health. And four items up to 129 weapon damage. Now, if you choose to get five items from the Nightmare set, it's going to give you this ability. When you deal melee damage, you have a 20% chance to apply minor maim to all enemies within eight meters of you for five seconds, reducing their damage done by 15%. Definitely a dated set. Yes, that is such a lackluster five item ability. It really is. Yeah. You have 20% chance to apply minor maim, which is only lasts for five seconds, reducing their damage by 15%. Yeah. Yeah. Old set. A very old set. Now, Swarm Mother... It's not too bad. It's really too. I've seen this in a lot of builds. Uh, so if you're doing a monster set, and what a monster set is, and we've talked about this numerous times, when you hit level 45, you're going to unlock the Undaunted Pledges. Completing those is going to give you keys. You use those keys to open said chests that are available one uh, area in Stormhaven. It's basically it was every capital. I, th- I think I don't remember. Um, but anyway, yep. use these. Use those keys to open a chest. It's going to give you shoulder pieces. That is part one of two of a monster set. A monster set is made up of a shoulder piece and a headpiece, okay? The headpiece you only get off of final bosses, all right? This on is vet. On vet, yeah. So if you are running vet, I know we're not covering vet overall, but it's important you know that you can get this. So one item, you're going to get to 129 stamina recovery. Two items you choose to get the full set when you block an attack from an enemy that is further than five meters away from you you spend strands of spider silk to pull the enemy to you this effect can occur every one second 
Yeah, so it's important to remember that if you run this on Vet, you will get a Monster Helm. You just don't know whether or not you're going to get it in Light and Heavy or Medium, and you don't know what traits you're going to get on yep. said Monster Helm. Yep. Yep, there's a whole other conversation there, what to do. And we'll probably do that, what to do with sets of armor when they're not the right traits or they're not the right, what, what would you call it, like weight? <laughs> it's not light, medium, heavy. But anyway, so that's it, man. That is it. The first Dungeons for Dummies segment. Um, I like this, it. this info was from, a lot of this was from Prima Games. They had a good guide on this. And also unofficial Elder Scrolls pages. Now, if you want to read about every single fight, everything top to bottom, just Google Spin the Clutch 1 ESO guide and you'll find it. Or you can just click on the link at Lore Seekers Podcast episode page for this. So, because we're not giving you our welcome stone. Because we're, yeah, this handy dandy thing that I'm not quite sure how to activate in our bag that we stole. <laughs> you did it. Called the Orb of Awesomeness. That's what I'm going to call this thing. That's uh, good, buddy. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Now, if you have any questions in regards to any of the patch notes, or maybe the whole Dungeons for Dummies segment, call us. We want to hear from you. 765 382 6961. Or maybe you're at the office when you're listening to this. I get that. I know a lot of you do that to pass the time because, let's be honest, real life. So, that being said, loresecretspodcast at gmail.com. All day, every day. Yeah, but if you're at work and you can't call us, then call us anyway because we want to hear you squirm when your boss comes in the room during your voicemail. <laughs> that would be fun too. Uh, uh, it's a conference call. It's a conference call. So that's it. It's been the clutch one. You can do this. I believe in you. Speaking of yes. believing in you, uh, you got a spell? Yep. It's that time. And I'm doing it quickly. Ready? Ready. All right. Take a step back. Here we go. So we have not covered the Fighters Guild yet. And I figured that it was time. Mm-hmm. We're going to do so today. Is that it the, is... Go. Is Sorry. Is that the lore book you spawned with that little handy spell of yours? It is. Hmm. Okay. The Fighter's Guild. Such a we all know fun. what it is. Mm-hmm. We're just going to kind of go into depth about who they is and where they come from. Mm-hmm. So everybody has a good understanding. So we're going to start with the words of Master Valena Daunton. An imperial warrior, imperial warrior, what? And the Choral Fighters <laughs> Guild Guildmaster. If you played Elder Scrolls Oblivion, you'll know who this is. She says the Fighters Guild is a brotherhood of warriors. We provide a service to Tamriel, lending steel and shield to those who need our help. Whether that means ridding a town of an invading menace or protecting a helpless mage, helpless mage. We'll take the contract. Quote, unquote. I'm just going to say this, dude. That Fighter's Guild quest line in Oblivion. That was cool. That was a fun feeling. It's a pretty cool one. And actually, I'm, I'm excited now with my new character because he is going to very appropriately dive right in. There you go. To the Fighter's Guild. Okay. So. I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah. We'll get there, though. It's going to take time. He's got a lot of learning to do before we go there. 
So anyway, history of the Fighters Guild. They were originally known as the SIFM, an organization of former Akaviri warriors. So the Fighters Guild is known as an entity with a presence across all of Tamriel. It provides a place of study, training, and employment for adventurers such as yourselves with martial prowess. Hmm. The guild, founded by uh, an Akaviri by the name of Daenerys Vess, was supported and chartered by Emperor Versidu Shai. He is a prominent Akaviri potentate before claiming the imperial throne after the death of Remen III in the Second Era, year 320. So the Fighters Guild is not that old, at no. least within our timeline of ESO. Right. Um, it actually has kind of a short life, to be honest with you. To, if you really kind of look at, as I present the history, when you kind of look at the effective time of the Fighters Guild, it's not that long. Mm. So, kind of surprising. But right now, obviously, it's a, it's a thing in ESO, so enjoy it. All right. The Guild's original purpose was to provide public order without having to train and maintain a dedicated army. I'm going to read a little bit from the official charter of the Fighters Guild to bring a little bit more understanding of their focus. The Guild of Fighters provides employment to free swords and mercenaries and contracts to local citizens. Citizens may contract with the Guild for the removal of creatures and pests, rats, the delivery of goods on dangerous routes, the collection of beasts for the arenas, and other duties defined by the Guild Stewards. Now, ESO, the Fighters Guild has been contracted by a private citizen to fight the Daedra. That's a little bigger than creatures or pests. Pest removal, really? That is your typical <laughs> kill 10 rats quest. And I really kind of lolled when I saw that yep. because I specifically remember in Skyrim, of course it was the beginning to a bigger quest, but you had to go into a brewery and you had to clear yes. out the rats oh my gosh, in there. Yes. And I was like, this is, that's an Easter egg. It's a typical clear the rats, kill the rats quest. Anyway. Yep. Okay. Continuing from the official chart of the Fighters Guild, quote unquote, any member of the Fighters Guild who strikes or steals from another member shall be expelled from the guild. Now, that's your first strike. Readmittance is at the direction of the guild stewards. Huh. I thought that was kind of cool. You could yeah. actually get back in if you're a total douche. It's not a one and done like Dark Brotherhood. Kind of That's nice. right. Continuing, the guild selects candidates who are strong and healthy. A candidate must have some proficiency with long blades, axes, blunt weapons, and shields. Guildsmen must be able to use and maintain heavy armor. Wow. The Guild has evolved into a very professional organization backed by the establishment of Tamriel as a whole to regulate the hiring and training of these mercenary forces to protect commerce, provide dignitary protection, and to drive away threats to the security and citizenry. Security of the citizenry. The first fun fact of this great lore lesson the Fighters Guild can take on contracts from private citizens, providing the contract does not interfere or conflict with the laws or customs of the region from which it originated. 
Guild stewards will receive the contracts and dispense them to the guild members who are appropriate for the task or request. The guild stewards also process complaints about services and determine the eligibility of guild members requesting readmittance into the guild. Complaints. As we talked about, some members can be booted for stealing or assaulting other members. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a guild of fighters. Some of them might not have the best temperament. Yeah. Yeah. I could right. see you just dying. That's all I'm saying. You're not getting reinvited. They're just going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's more Dark Brotherhoody, but still. Mm. So we're going to dive a little bit into the true history of where the Fighters Guild was formed. Before it was formed, the land was in a state of chaos. Crime had skyrocketed, and bandits were everywhere. Crime in the cities was really left relatively unchecked. So the the areas where this was happening most was... um, where Akaviri Daenerys Vess dwelled, suggested the creation of an order of warriors for hire to combat this lawless threat. The new guild, as we talked about, was called the Sifim at the time, was originally Akaviri only, but eventually it opened its doors to all races. We'll talk about why uh, in a little bit. Um, actually, we're going to talk about why right now. This was due to... The Akaviri, also known as the Teshi, not understanding the local geography and politics of all the new and foreign lands they were assigned to protect. So part of the problem was also was that they simply, there just was not enough Akaviri for the work that needed to be done because the, the guild started to spread out into, Sifim started to spread out into all these different areas and not only did the Akaviri not know the history and the politics and the lands they were assigned, but also there was a shortage. So right. they needed more people. So native races in all the regions began to, to be recruited into the guild. So since that time, the guild has had a pretty steady rise in prominence in Tamriel, including assisting with the vanquishing of many threats, both domestic and beyond as in plain meld type threats. For example, in the Elder Scrolls Online, the joining the Fighters Guild opens up the quest line where the player assists the Mages Guild and the Three Alliances by invading the realm of Cold Harbor to thwart the advances of Molag Ball. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes, yes, yes. Okay, during the Third Era, so we're talking a little bit later here, under Emperor Uriel Septim I, the Fighters Guild was a very well-established and began to thrive in Skyrim and then later in several other locations throughout Iliac Bay. During the same time frame, however, the guild in Morrowind began to experience some pretty severe corruption, particularly in Vivek City, causing a loss of respect by many of the guilds um, or by many of the, uh, uh, the people living in the area. And the guild's future, at least in Morrowind, started to get questioned. So, particularly with corruption in the upper ranks, the Dark Elves started to screw the pooch a little bit. Hmm. By the fourth era, the Fighters Guild presence was severely lessened, especially in the various regions of Skyrim, where the Companions had become the primary mercenary group. The Companions, which you can join in Skyrim became the warrior uh, guild 
in Skyrim and served a very similar function of the Fighters Guild. The Companions operated out of Yurvaskar, Mead Hall, and Whiterun. If you remember coming into Whiterun for the first time, you may or may not be able to help a few of the uh, Companions with uh, taking down a a giant. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, they kind of let you know what you need to do if you're interested in joining. So that becomes kind of the fighters guildy type guild in that area. Fun quest line. Yes. Fun fact on the history of the companions: they were traced back from the 500 companions, which, as you remember, was Isgrimor's legendary army that waged war against the Snow Elves to avenge the infamous Night of Tears covered that when we talked about the Nordy Nords. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So despite the history of the Fighters Guild and what becomes of it in later eras, it is said that everybody in Tamriel should owe a great debt of gratitude to the Fighters Guild because not only its members and the people have been helped by its neutral policy of offering strong arms for a fee within the boundaries of the law, Many have also argued that without them, there would be no guilds of any kind and no model for the independent adventurer would exist. Eh, I don't know what Dark Brother would say about that. Well, they would probably just slice your throat. Oh, okay. Well. And watch you bleed. Yeah. Okay, the Fighters Guild in Elder Scrolls Online is led by a legendary Argonian by the name of... Sees all colors. Mm-hmm. The guild has been contracted by a very influential patron, a patron, citizen, to focus its forces entirely against Molag Ball and the destruction of the Dark Anchors, arousing much controversy among the members. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of at the beginning stages of that quest line. I've been. I know I said I haven't worked at the Thieves Guild, but I've really kind of gotten involved with the Fighters Guild. So. At the beginning of that. Yep. So you still have the quest that says, see, seize all colors? Mm, probably. Yes. Yes. Okay. So joining the Fighters Guild in ESO, you can get some abilities. There's an entire skill line that goes uh, with this. The ultimate ability that you get is called Dawnbreaker. Very, very popular one. Um, especially for like a PvP build. This is used very, pretty widely used. Uh, Dawnbreaker deals damage to targets in front of the player and does extra damage to Daedric and the Undead. There are some active abilities that you can choose. Silver Bolts, a ranged attack that deals physical damage, knocks down Undead and Daedric enemies, and a chance to banish Undead and Daedric for additional damage. Silver Shards is a morph ability that will hit two additional targets of Silver Bolts. Silver Leash is the other morph ability that will activate again to pull the enemy to you. Then there's a circle of protection. This creates an area of protection, increasing armor and spell resistance, granting additional armor and resistance from Daedric and undead enemies. You can tell who the Fighters Guild hates. The Daedric (laughs) and the undead. (laughs) Uh Then there's Expert Hunter. This grants 20% chance to deal additional damage to Daedric and undead enemies on hit. And killing Daedric or undead increases the duration of Expert Hunter. Trap Beast, another very, very popular skill that is utilized in a lot of stamina builds, creates a trap that deals magic damage and immobilizes the target 
Undead and Daedra are, you guessed it, dealt additional fire damage. Passives. Here are the passives for the Fighter's Guild skill line. Intimidating Presence allows players to use the Intimidate option during conversations. Boring. That's your first rank. Slayer. That increases weapon and spell power when attacking undead and Daedric enemies. Banish the Wicked. You gain additional ultimate. Hmm, that could be good. When killing undead and Daedric enemies. Dolmans. Skill. Yes, for sure. Skill Tracker. Allows fighters guild abilities that affect undead and daedric enemies to also affect werewolves. Yeah. Pretty good for a werewolf build. Mm -hmm. Okay, Bounty Hunter allows players to accept bounty quests from the fighters guild in Cyrodiil, which are the dailies. And in order to join the fighters guild, you uh, have to travel to your major city in your alliance. For the Aldmeri Dominion, it's Vocal Guard in Auradon. For Ebonheart Pact, it's Davin's Watch in Stonefalls. And for the Daggerfall Covenant, it is, you guessed it, Daggerfall in Glenumbra. Welcome to the Bank of Daggerfall. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. It's and so that, true. my friends, concludes the lesson on the Fighter's Guild. As you can tell, there's not a whole lot of out there. I mean, there, there is some more stuff you can kind of delve into about the origins of the Fighters Guild, but it kind of gets into the weeds a little bit. And my goal with these lore lessons is to enlighten you not to sing you a lullaby. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, the, the Fighters Guild. When you, when you first start a character, you should, one of the first things you should do is make sure and get all of your all of your guild memberships taken care of. So like the Fighters Guild, Mages Guild, just get in those real quick. doesn't take very long. Yes, as soon as possible. Because the second you start going and doing Dolmens, that's Fighters Guild experience that you could be gathering. Yeah, absolutely. It's pretty much the easy mode to level in your Fighters Guild line. Well, good job, man. I dig it. Oh, thank you. I dig thank it. I, I've always personally, that was when I very first started playing Oblivion, first character i made was a orc and he's big in a fighter's guild i remember back then i think at the time uh by the time i finished the quest line i think knights of the nine or something had come out I, I don't remember but it was just always such a cool feeling being in the fighter's guild in oblivion um it really felt like to me it kind of felt like the equivalent today of being in the in the um the uh brotherhood of steel in fallout 4 you just kind of get that sense that you're a part of something that's bigger than yourself. And it was very cool. Very, very cool. I don't necessarily get that same vibe so far in ESO, but very cool, Guild. Very cool. Agreed. All right. Oh, hey! I've been looking for you. you got got some... something I'm supposed to deliver. Oh. Your hands only. Well, we got some mail. And it just so happens... Stalker. You all... <laughs> <laughs> He's so good at fighting us. Uh, you all have been sending us voicemails on top of your normal emails. And so today we are getting caught up on our voicemails. Now, the first one we got here today is from Logan on an easy way to get out of Cyrodiil. Let's take a listen. Hey, guys. My name is Logan. I actually listen to y'all's podcast while I'm at work. And uh, I just went on one of your episodes 
uh, I think it was volume two, episode one or episode two, I'm sorry if I can't remember correctly, um, that you guys were talking about Cyrodiil and having to have, go all the way back out. There's actually a, a quick way to get out of Cyrodiil and a pretty fun way. Um, I'm going to go into character. My name is Rashina. I'm an Argonian Templar. And uh, I just would like y'all to know, even if y'all are in the heart of Cyrodiil, even in the sewers, you can queue for a battleground, and it will automatically take you out and pop you somewhere in Tamriel where you were before you entered Cyrodiil. So just a quick way to get out and say in a fun way. That way you can do a, a quick death match or whatever that you choose and get out of Cyrodiil. So that way you can save a little bit of time. Thank you very much, and you guys are amazing. Keep it up. Bye. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well done. You went into character. He I did. love this. He did. Well done. Well, thanks, Logan. We appreciate it. Uh, I didn't know this. Did you know this? No, absolutely not. And that is actually a really great idea. It pops you out automatically? Apparently. I haven't tried it yet. I can't confirm it, but I'm going to this week. I'm going to try it. Yeah, that's cool. Mm. Thank you, Logan. Agreed. Uh, next on the docket, we've got uh, Teddy on Elder Scrolls Six. Hello, Lore Seekers. This is um, Teddy Holthouse. I've got another question for you guys. Um, I've been unable to play um, ESO, and I will be for quite a while, so I'm eagerly awaiting the new Elder Scrolls game, Elder Scrolls Blades. I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Thank you for the spectacular show, and long live the Stormcloaks. Thanks. Bye. All right. Well, thanks, Teddy. Uh, I believe he's a second second time caller. I don't know. Good to hear from him again, buddy. Yes, he is. Um, so, Elder Scrolls Blades. That yes. was, uh, you know, when we first saw all this stuff come across the board at E3, and I know we mentioned, mentioned it afterwards that it kind of solidified for us uh, that we wanted to be doing a show for Bethesda stuff for a very long time. Right. We've got Elder Scrolls Blades that's coming out. We've got Elder Scrolls 6 that's in development, very early in development. Uh, we've got Fallout 76 that's getting released. So all these things, it really solidified you know, that we wanted to be here. And so from my standpoint, when I see Elder Scrolls Blades, it's everything that we need to continue this experience with Elder Scrolls. You know? Agreed. It is, for me, it is going to be the death of reading books. <laughs> it, it really will be because I normally read books on the Kindle app or the book app on yeah. my iPad. Yep. So, like, before I go to bed or, you know, if I have downtime or whatever, I'm usually, like, you know, perusing lore or reading a book or something like that. And for me, that is going to take blades will take the place of that yeah yeah for sure. I, I think and it looks fantastic it does it looks great and i um you just said something that i i wanted to hit on i th you think you probably didn't mean this but you mentioned that elder scrolls 6 is probably or is an early very early development i'm going to disagree with you on that really just knowing how bethesda does things that's, They've announced the point. game and confirmed it. That game has been in development for several years already. 
I'm throwing that out there. Do I know for sure? No, because I'm not best friends with Todd Howard. If I was, then I might have already offered him a ring Amara over you. <laughs> I'm just saying that I think Elder Scrolls Six is well into development and probably close to being complete. No. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. You stop yes, it. it. They're still working on getting the soft, the appropriate technology to make it appropriately. Oh, I see what you're doing right now. You're thinking opposite of me to spite me. Is it working? No. Nah. Mm. I know you too well. Mm, okay. Well, thanks, Teddy. <laughs> I think yeah. it looks awesome. Uh, I can't wait to yep. play it. It looks. Cannot uh, wait. Yeah, when I saw the previews for it, I, th- I think visually it looks stunning. Uh, everything I expect from a Bethesda title. So I definitely look forward to it. So thanks so much. Uh, yes, last sir. one Thank for you. the day is Skuma King. Now that's a name. <laughs> Let's take a listen. Hey, Lore Seekers. Skuma King Urundar here. As a fellow Lore Seeker myself, I often find myself questing and selecting the max amount of dialogue options when speaking with NPCs. After all, much of what makes Elder Scrolls so appealing is the story behind each character in the games. So my question for you is, what character in Elder Scrolls, either the single-player games or in ESO, is your favorite and why? Love the show. Thanks. Okay. Wow. That was a loaded question. Good question. Thanks so much, uh, Scooby King. You're awesome. Wow. Favorite character for Elder Scrolls Online. Or yep. Elder Scrolls, period. Wow. Uh, man. There's so many characters. There's a ton. I'm going to let you go first. Okay. Uh, wow. Um, okay. So I'm going to break this up. I'm, I, I can't just name one. But what I... Gosh, I can't even remember some of the ones that you come in contact with in the older games. They were great, but you just can't remember their names. Um, as far as ESO is concerned... I think it's probably, at least as of this moment, Queen Iron's always going to be awesome. I love Queen the Queen. Long live the Queen. Um, but man, I I think I'm going to have to go with the Speaker from Dark Brotherhood. I really like that character. He, That's a solid choice. He's so... the First off, the voice actor is amazing. But he's such an incredibly mysterious and ominous character that, like, it just keeps me coming back. Like, I want to do more, you know, to to appease that guy. You know, just you, you just he's such a unique character. So I think for ESO for me, it definitely have to be the speaker. What about? Let's do you next. Are you are you gonna do you just have okay. one or do you have? No, no. I get, I've I've got a couple. I do want to. I want to remind you of one character that I specifically remember you telling me that you loved. What's that? Right Master Iachesis. <gasps> oh my gosh, thank you. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, I named my healer after him. I loved him. Such a good character. Such a yes. good character. Yes. And that, by the way, is that we, we sparked this conversation. That character that does Right Master Iachesis voiced the Jedi Consular in SWOTOR lore break. Oh my gosh, he did! Yep. Same wow. guy. 
Huh. The more you know. Yeah. The more you know. The more you know. What's yours? Do you what, what for ESL? Let's do that. Okay. So I don't want to be like everybody else and pick Razumdar, even though I think Razumdar is freaking awesome. Um, I absolutely love Naryu, for one. I think uh, Naryu is part of one of my favorite quest lines, which is uh, the quest lines of Morrowind. Mm. I love her her dark, sinister side. Mm-hmm. Um, I love her confidence, and I love the way that she um, acts during that entire thing when she's having to watch, basically hide, a bratty diplomat. So yeah. if you haven't played that quest line, I suggest it. Go for it. Along the same lines, going from one game to another, um, Carlia from Skyrim, who is one of the Nightingales that you run into with the Thieves Guild questline, is one of my all-time favorite characters. And I don't know whether or not this means anything, but both Naryu and Carlia are both stealthy assassin-type Dark Elf females. Hmm. But I love, yeah, even with Carlia, uh, she has, I mean, she's just, a badass in the shadows. And I really, really dig that about her. Um, oh, let me see what else you could always say that. Um, hmm. No, I think I'm going to stick with those two. I, okay. I think those two are, are, are probably two of my very favorite characters just because they're not like the, you know, regular characters that people would say. That's a good choices. Yeah. Really good choices. You know, I would like to see Naryu um, again. I, I feel like we're not done with her. Yeah. Like, it, it just kind of, like, just ended. You know what I mean? Like, it, it left me wanting more with her. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine that you would not see her anymore. Right. She's awesome. She is awesome. But there's some real, there's some really funny characters. Um, I just really liked those. Um, I really liked those storylines just because of how deep they went with the character creation. You know, one of my favorite characters from Oblivion that I can remember right now. Like, there's a lot, but one that really set the premise for me. And always, and anytime I think of that character, it gets me. It gives me the vibe of Oblivion, like the feels for it when you would play it. It was Septum, and he's. I don't know if I remember that. Uriel Septum. Oh, oh, you're talking Uriel Septum. (laughs) Okay, I take that back. I do know who that is. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. Well, what a dork. Well, just the beginning of, I. He's such a brief character, but it's, it's. I believe it was voiced by Patrick Stewart, wasn't it? Um. I, I forget exactly who voiced him, but I just remember playing the game, and when you first meet him in the in the in the dungeons, it just kind of like sets the tone and really brings you in to Elder Scrolls and just you know really that whole quest line, the main quest line, just surrounding that whole septum and uh, line and lineage and, and the blades and all that. Very very cool. 
loved that character. So I think just what I can remember, there were so many, but yeah, I would say Septum for me for Oblivion. But thank you, everybody, for your voicemails. Yep. We appreciate it. That was Those awesome. Great. Good thank questions. You guys. Really, really good questions. You can always call us if you want to be a part of the uh, voicemail mailbag segment at uh, 765 382-6961. Please keep your questions Elder Scrolls related. Or, you know, we are Bethesda heads, so totally not opposed to, I guess, anything else. But anyway, that was the show. We thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. This was Episode 6, Volume 2 of the Lore Seekers Podcast. And, uh, you know, if you enjoyed the show, we, we, of course, hope that you did. If you enjoyed it, and we know as you all are listening from all kinds of outlets, different apps, some using iTunes, some using Stitcher, some using uh, Spotify, just all over. Totally awesome. We appreciate you. But if you're using iTunes, we'd appreciate it if you let, leave us a review. For every five-star review that we get on the show, we give you a shout-out with some love. And, uh, you know, we have one here today. This one's kind of a long one, but it's good. Dancer Boy, is that is that right? Is it, but it's abbreviated? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. Uh, you guys are a great cast to listen to. Detailed information, great sound effects, quality sound, and easy to follow along. And it helps players who are new or vets to learn things about the game and the lore that we never knew. Keep it rocking out this awesome podcast. Big shout out to my girl, Gone Crazy Back. I don't, I don't know what that is. For telling me about the lore seekers. Hey, that's awesome. I'm so happy that she recommended you guys to me. I played ESO on PS4, so unfortunately I won't be able to join you. Sad face. From when it came out until Morrowind, I stopped afterwards. Ever since, I recently started listening to your podcast. It got me in the hype of starting up ESO again. So I've decided to come back. Thank you. That's awesome. Awesome. I think he was giving a shout-out to his girl, Gone Crazy, back soon. Oh, I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> Well, some, I mean, you have a hard time with words with syllables, <laughs> but this was a game name that had a like, few syllables taken out. It was like reading a license plate. So that's what friends do. They back up friends and help them when words are hard. Nice, buddy. Because words. Hashtag. <laughs> Thanks so much, Dancer. That's awesome, man. Hope you enjoyed it. We hope you continue to enjoy the show. But uh, anyway, like I mentioned earlier, you can always call us 765 382 6961 or you can email us loreseekerspodcast at gmail.com an easy way to do this is visit our website loreseekerspodcast.com maybe while you're listening to the episode go to the homepage at the bottom and uh, fill out a form it goes right to our email 24-7 365 all days all the time we're always there you can join our guild Cash we've got an official loreseekers guild which discord is oh my gosh I thought last week was crazy this week is just like one after the other Y'all keep showing up. Yep. Loreseekerspodcast.com forward slash guild. You'll have to have uh, Discord downloaded to join our Discord server and then type apply in the apply to guild channel forward slash apply. Fill out our very quick guild application. It is also called the douchebag filter. And um, we'll let you in <laughs> if you are not caught by said filter. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, we'd love to have you. Um all you got to do is go to Apply to Guild, uh, the channel there, type slash apply and hit enter, and you'll get PM the app. For some reason you have an issue, please feel free to reach out to any of the staff there on the right side of the screen that you'll be able to see. 
we'd be happy to PM you that application. Well, you can always find this show where all podcasts are available, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are free, we are there. You can follow my uh, myself on Twitter at jibsirl, cash at lauraseekercash with a K, and most importantly, the show at lauraseekerscast. Can't believe we're done, but hey, we're we're done. We're done. I, I got a just a real quick throw out there. Um, if you don't follow us on Twitter, it's a really it's a busy place, and I want to give a giant shout out to Jibs on that because Jibs is very busy Thanks, with um, doing social media. He just does a really good job, and I pop in there when I can um, and harass the people. But he's really good about chatting with our folks, and you know, so a big shout out to you for for doing that. I think our Twitter community is really a pretty positive community. Thank you very much. And I also have a shout out that I want to put out and there's no context to it, but the person who hears it will absolutely know what it means. Jeff Beta Rays, congratulations. There you go. That is all. There you go. All right. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed the show. Guys, gals, enjoy the show. We'll be back next week. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a good week. We hope you stay safe. Have a good time in gaming. We'd love to chat with you. Come join up with us. See you all next week. Yep. Listen to our storyline. It's coming up. It's really getting good, I think. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. Turdos, 11th of the last seed, 2E, 584. Cash and I were once again on the move. After our resupply at Bendari, we would be free to stay off the grid for at least a couple weeks and continue our quest to reach the coast. We were mostly sticking to the roads because they were quite abandoned during the downpour taking place in Malabal Tor. We didn't know how long the storm system would plague us, but... At least these roads were navigable when wet. These roads had been built by the Altmer, and the Bosmer were allowing them to transport goods and weapons through the area for the Dominion, so it wasn't as much of a muddy mess as it probably would have been. They were well graveled and held up well in these wet conditions, so it suited us and our way down Guar just fine. It wasn't until we heard the trampling of hooves on the gravel ahead that we made a sprint for the tree line. Down the berm and through a natural hedgegrove bushes, we went before deftly, dismounting our guar, kneeling low, and trying our best to settle their winded snorts. Silence. Then we waited, and we watched. In the distance, we could see three mounted riders heading down the road toward the direction we had just come. A motley band. They moved at speed. From what we could see, as they passed, two of them were clad in black leathers with hoods drawn, dual swords hanging from their hips. The third 
who trailed just a horse's length behind, was dressed in black and gray mage's robes with a staff strapped to her, strapped to his back. Their dark horses each had fiery eyes, burning hooves, and snorted small flames from their nostrils as they raced with purpose. Cash and I silently glanced at each other, and we didn't mutter a word. I was certain that he had never seen anything like this before. These riders were not from around here. We remained crouched in the tree line in silence, as the sound of hooves faded in the distance. When there was no sight or sound of the riders or anyone else approaching, we stood, brushed ourselves off, got the mud and debris off of our robes. I turned to Cash. More assassins, I said. Yep, Cash muttered under his breath. Question is, were they looking for us or some other poor sap? I offered. Pretty sure we're the saps, Cash replied. Yeah, you're probably right. Best to stick to the game trails. We knew we had to skew from our route, but we had planned two separate lines on our maps. One solid line and an alternate route inked as dotted marks indicating our plan B should the occasion arise. Well, the introduction of more potential assassins certainly warranted a change of plans. We'd stay well away from the marked roads and travel the routes of the wildlife in the area, taking precautions to cover our tracks as much as we possibly could with such a thick layer of fresh mud beneath our boots. Off we went into the dense forest. We were well aware that this portion of northwestern Valenwood was wrought with horvars and stranglers, the giant ticks and overgrown man-eating plants of the forest. But it wasn't them we were most concerned with. Little light actually reached the forest floor in this region, and the lush, lush foliage and high rock outcroppings made navigation an issue. In some spots, the moss-covered rock canyons were so steep, it pushed us right back toward the road we needed to desperately avoid. We knew we were somewhere northwest of Silv Sylvanar, but the lack of landmarks made for a slow grind through the dense forest. Not to mention that we had begun to see evidence of werewolves in the area. A destroyed cinch carcass with deep wounds and its innards eaten away was a telltale sign of a werewolf attack. In the dense foliage, we passed two of them. We both thought it might have been better chancing the road and had to chuckle. <laughs> On a hilly path along our new route, we came across an ancient alien ruin. And from our maps, we decided we'd made it to the Chancel of Divine Entreaty. There was a small temple at the location built into the side of the rock. We slipped inside for a quick peek and saw numerous tables with crafting materials strewn about. It looked fresh, as if this site was used to make some type of ritual armor or weapons. We decided not to chance getting caught with our pants down and headed back onto our path. We did notice, however, that we were just outside of our next destination. A small settlement, and brewery, mind you, where we would meet up with our reliquary agent. As Cash and I crested the hill above Volkwaston, we noticed a scattered contingent of Daedric scamps and large orgrim foraging for wood just outside of their crude camp. We decided not to chance throwing a storm of lightning on their heads because it might have caused quite the light show and lure any danger in the area of right to us. So we snuck around, coming dangerously close to a group of the three scamps. As we passed on the opposite side of a tree where they were foraging, I saw one of them turn his nose up to the sky and begin to sniff the air. He caught our scent, I thought, 
Thankfully, he didn't alert, though. We passed by undetected and had a quiet word when we were just a short distance away. Well, that was too close for comfort, Cash whispered. No kidding, I replied. I'm surprised they didn't catch the scent of our... Before I could even finish my sentence, the sound of whizzing projectiles slicing the air averted my attention towards Cash as I witnessed a ministered feather arrow pierce the side of his neck. His eyes rolled back, and he fell to the floor in a heap before I could react. A stab of pain, as if an insect had stung me, shot from my own neck. Then there was darkness. Darkness.